0: Well, I was thinking this week a couple of, a couple of men that uh, they've passed away, but they're still men that I miss. I um, uh, think of Joe Powell. Some of you remember Joe. Joe was a teacher, professor, got his PhD in biology, taught at Sonoma State. And one of the things I loved about Joe was um, how he would pray. And he would pray when he would thank God for the way that he made creation, Joe had such an understanding of creation that it would just come out in his prayers. And it was like, I just love listening to him talk about nature, how the sun would work and the microclimates and that kind of thing. He was an expert on mushrooms, and he knew a lot about microclimates. Uh, And I love that. I also love the fact that he always would pray for workers for the harvest field. That was one of his big prayers. And he'd always pray for the church board when we have a meeting. Joe would pray for that. He was also kind of a, he kind of had a gruff exterior to kids. I talked to people who grew up when they were young, and they were kind of scared of him. But he was, uh, he was really kind of uh, a kid at heart, and he would, he would just tease the kids, and, and, and it was kind of a funny thing. And he, he'd have this twinkle in his eye, and then when he was really touched, I remember how he would tear up, and his chin would quiver. You know, he'd just say, oh, I can't talk, you know, I'm too moved right now. I just miss that. I miss that uniqueness about Joe, and uh, and then I miss uh, a man I didn't. I met him once for talked to him for about a minute, probably. But a guy named Dallas Willard. Uh, when I heard that Dallas had pancreatic cancer, and then that he died, I thought, "Who's going to take his place? Who can take Dallas's place?" I mean, he was a guy that spoke of the kingdom's reality right now, unlike anybody I've ever read or heard before. Um, he was incredibly good at, at, at explaining why the spiritual disciplines work and opening up our lives to God's grace. I've never heard anybody that could describe how that works the way Dallas Willard did. In fact, there are people all over the world, teachers, who rely on Dallas Willard to help them know how do we access the grace of God, why those work, why our body matters in these things. That, uh, who else is going to take his place, I think, when it comes to Talking about almost any topic with brilliance and and basing it in scripture and even the the history of philosophy the way Dallas Willard did. Um, And who was a guy for me that embodied the things that he taught. He lived what he taught. He was that. It wasn't just that they were words coming out of his mouth. That's the kind of man he was. In fact, he was somebody for me that when I was in a really hot spot in ministry, I was Felt like I was drowning. You know, I was like being in twenty foot seas, and I was going under and coming up, spitting up seawater. That I read something by Dallas Willard on the Kingdom of God that God used to just lift me out of that storm and put me on a ship. And I wasn't—I was in the storm still, but I wasn't spitting up seawater anymore. I was able to breathe. I was safe and sound, and it was because God used this man in my life. And so it was—it it touched me, even though I—I I didn't really know Dallas Willard. When he died, it really, it really affected me. He's not there anymore. You know, think about for yourself. Are there people in your life that have passed away that you miss them? There's something they contributed to your life. Uh, encouragement. They taught you something. They were maybe an advocate. They kind of got you. They saw you. That your life was better because of that person and they're not around anymore. Think about your own life. Uh, when you're not here anymore... What do you think people would say about you? How did you contribute to their lives? What did you give? How did you shape? How did you make the people around you better and contribute to to their well-being? Think about our church, Santa Rosa Nazarene Church. Let's say today was the last Sunday of Santa Rosa Nazarene Church. Shut the doors tomorrow. Would Santa Rosa miss us? Have we made a difference? Have we contributed to the life of this city? I want to I tell you, uh, I want to give you a little story about a woman um, that was sorely missed when she died. Um, it's not a long story. We don't know a whole lot about her. But her name was Tabitha. I'll give you a few things about Tabitha. One thing we do know, that she was a follower of Jesus. It's very interesting. They use the word, the word follower in the Greek as mathetes. m a. Spell math and then E-T-E-S, math eats, okay? A disciple is a follower or a learner. They attach themselves to somebody and they take on that life and those teachings of the person they attach themselves to. It was very common back in Jesus' day for people to be mentored by somebody. They would, they would ask, can I be a part of this, this rabbi? I want to follow you. I want to learn from you. Jesus was a rabbi, but it was different. He asked people to follow him. And so she was a follower of Jesus, and when they talk about her being a follower, they use the feminine version of Methetria. It's the only time in the New Testament the feminine version of disciple is used, of Tabitha, which I think is interesting. So we know this woman's a follower of Jesus. Something else we know, of course, is her name, Tabitha, and in the Greek, her name is Dorcas. Some people know her by Dorcas. And the name Tabitha Dorcas means gazelle. Um, And they would name girls sometimes back in those days after animals for like the beauty of their eyes. Like a gazelle would have pretty eyes. And so they'd, you know, want their daughter to be pretty. And they would name this, so they gave her this name, Tabitha. Something else that's probable about Tabitha was that she was financially secure. Possibly owning a two-story home. You'll find out why we conclude that. And was actually a leader in the church, perhaps even hosting the church in her home. They didn't have church buildings like this back then. So when the church gathered, they gathered in homes. And because she was probably a woman of means with perhaps this nice home, nicer home, the church could have gathered at her house. But beyond that, Tabitha contributed to people's lives in such a helpful way that when she died, they really grieved her life. They really, really missed her. And I want to read this from Acts chapter 9, verse 36. If you want to follow along, just open your Bible. Acts 9, verse 36. In Joppa, today it's Jaffa. It's the same city that Noah ran away. He caught the the boat and tried to get away from God. Same town. Joppa. Jaffa. Okay? It's right on the coast, the Mediterranean. I've been there. It's a lovely community. It's, It's nice. So in Joppa, there was a disciple, Bethetria, named Tabitha, gazelle. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. That's about, it's about 12 miles away, those two towns. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two... Two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with him. And it says it uses two words for clothing. One would be the inner, the under, like kind of the underwear. The, the clothes underneath and the clothes on top. She made all of their clothes. For these women, these widows. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes. And seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows. And presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa. And many people believed in the Lord. Isn't that a good story? The life of Jesus in Tabitha turned her into a servant. So says she was always doing good and helping the poor. There was this driving force inside of her, the spirit of Christ, that gave her compassion for the poor and the skill to do something about it. She made them clothes. And she had one group of people that she focused on in particular, and that was widows, okay? So these were women who lost their husbands and were especially prone to poverty because they did not have a man anymore to bring, bring home the bacon. Let's, we got to always, when we go to the Bible, you kind of got to suspend your view of the way life is in America today because it wasn't like that back then. Women, girls did not grow up in schools. They basically were not educated. So they didn't have means to get a nice careers, like we do in America today for women. So, in fact, they said one of the reasons divorce was so destructive was that if a woman got divorced, how was she going to survive? Well, she could go live with her her relatives. She could remarry, but they said her, her new husband would often treat her as secondhand goods because she'd been divorced, or she could sell herself into prostitution. That's how a lot of divorced women in the old days survived. And so these widows hardly have anything and so um, life was a struggle for them it was just survival it was hand to mouth so tabitha steps into the gap alleviates some of the burden by making them close you know she was not a prophet she was not an apostle she was not an evangelist she was not a pastor she was not a teacher tabitha was a craftsman or a craftswoman and, that, and as a seamstress, that's what she did. She gave what she had, what God had put in her. She stayed in her lane. By doing, so, and by doing so, she alleviated the suffering of these poor women. You know, I find it interesting when we talk about spiritual gifts that the um, first spiritual gift ever mentioned in the Bible has not prophecy. It's not teaching. It's none of that. You go back into the Old Testament and in Exodus 31 chapter verse 1 it says then the Lord said to Moses see I've chosen Bezalel, son of Uri the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah and I have filled him with the spirit of God with wisdom with understanding with knowledge and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold silver and bronze to cut and set stones to work in wood and engage in all kinds of crafts the very first spiritual gift mentioned in the bible is craftsmanship somebody able to make the furnishings for the tabernacle isn't that interesting so that's a spiritual gift you ever wonder how did those people learn how to do that it's never been done before how did they learn how to do it? And God just downloaded, in Betzalel and another guy, Aholiab, two men, downloaded this information and skill with their hands to make these things. And, and Tabitha was in that vein of being a craftswoman. Um, now, how'd she become the woman she became? We can piece some things together. First of all, like I've said, for certain she decided to follow Jesus at some point in her spirit the Spirit of God in her began to stir her. You think about how does that work? Well, she would have probably, she would have felt the insecurity and the fear and the loneliness and the heartache of these widows. She could have looked at this group of people and just said, man, I, I really feel for you. And, and they found a place in her heart. And then, since she had the skill set to make clothes, and the resources to buy the materials to make the clothes, she did what she could. She took what she had. She, she took her heart. She took her finances. She took her skills. And it made a difference by making those clothes. Life was not as oppressive for these women. They had an advocate for them. And that explains why when Tabitha died, all these widows were so grieved. Can you just see the picture of, of Peter in this room around her body's been washed and prepared for burial? And he's up there, and there's all these widows gathered around him, just showing him, showing him their clothes. Clo- she, she made this. Look at she made this. You know, and it's like this woman meant so much to them. This story is primarily about Tabitha being raised from the dead, but it has a secondary level meaning, and we see the impact of a faithful, gifted servant's life. It's interesting to think about in this story. What do you think Tabitha did after she was raised from the dead? I think she went back to making clothes for widows. I think she kept doing it. She didn't retire. I don't think she retired. You think about what happened to her when she was dead. I mean, it's 12 miles from Jaffa to Lydda. That's 24 miles round trip. That's a good day's walk, right? They had send these two men from Jaffa to go get Peter in Lydda. They had to walk 12 miles back. So we're talking at least a day she's lying there dead. It's not like somebody, they say, well, we don't have a heartbeat for 15 minutes or an hour or two hours. This is like 24 hours of deadness. She's like graveyard dead. She's dead. What happened in that time, which Paul said, to be absent from the is to be present with the Lord. So I believe, I believe that Tabitha was in the presence of the Lord. I believe she saw Jesus. And would have given her even more reason to serve and to give her life away like this. You know, when you, when you, see, when you think about a servant, so when you think about what does a servant look like in the New Testament... Just look at Tabitha. It's not fancy. It's a woman who had a heartbeat do you, know, you, know you know what it's like to have a heartbeat for somebody? You feel for something, somebody in some situation. You know, and you, it's, it's on your heart. It's like a burden, it's a weight, it's a heaviness. You carry them around with you. It's not just, oh yeah, well, that, that's too bad. No, it's really there. That's like that's her. And she can't get them out of her mind, and then she thinks, how can I serve this group of people? And she does it. So I want to show you some pictures of some servants today. We have Tabitha in the, in the New Testament. but We have some others here. So let's look. There's Ellen. There's a servant. All right. So she serves. She creates a more hospitable environment by preparing food on, on Sunday morning. She's here on Saturday getting ready. She does that in meal, you know, big dinners that we have. She's here. Let's go on to somebody. Another servant. They look like Gemma. There's Gemma. In fact, I think she's back fixing lunch right now. But Gemma also leads our trip, our, our group, when we go to uh, Mindanao. And she sings on the worship team. And it's just like, she, she has a heart for her people back in the Philippines. And, and hundreds of people have been touched because of Gemma. And her, and her home group. I mean, they feed kids in schools. I mean, you could probably say thousands of people have been impacted by her life. You know, isn't that cool that one person with a burden, what they can do? Let's go on to the next servant. There's Melinda. She serves our children. Serves among the kids. All right? And uh, by the way, the school's doing good and, and ministering to kids. That's great. So let's go on to another servant, what they look like. Oh, there's two young ones, Kristen and Larissa. They get here, they help serve food. They're here early on Sunday morning. They just kind of do whatever needs to be done, okay? Keep going. It's good. You can be young, old, There's Jeremy, working on the sound. That's what a servant looks like. He's here. That's one of the biggest jobs there is, is doing sound. He's so reliable. We're so grateful for him. All right, let's go on to the next one. Chris. You know Chris by his drumming, but also Chris works in addiction recovery at the Rebbe Gospel Mission. He teaches a class to people, guys coming off the streets, who are going to consider whether or not they want to enter the program and get free of their addiction. He teaches that class to the guys right off the streets, okay? So that's going on like every week in Chris's life. Not bad for a guy who's a single dad raising two teenage daughters, okay? All right, let's see some others. There's Ron. Oh, sorry, not very good, but he's in the FBI Witness Protection Program. He's right over here, okay? All right. So Ron, he leads a singles group on Thursday night. He teaches this class, great class on Sunday morning. He, he visits. You guys know he's all over the place. What a blessing to this church and to this community. Okay, let's keep going. There's Shell. Shell has a real has a real heart for the church being sound financially. Kind of behind the scenes administration. He's been doing that for years here, and he's a blessing to keep us above board so we don't get in trouble with the way we handle finances. Okay, all right, let's keep going. Jan is out there pulling weeds. She also, she also serves as a chaplain in the, with the police department. So she's on the streets of Santa Rosa. Okay, next. We have Michael. Michael McKay. he's kind of in the shadows too. <clears throat> Teaches a th- he does a Thursday night Bible study. Um, and he does, whenever we need help around here, he's so reliable. He says yes. You can ask Michael. He'll just show up. He's so committed and so devoted to this body. Keep going. We got Norma back on the computer doing sound. I mean, doing the overhead stuff. Keep going. We got Leone. Leone serves in the hospital, working with people who are dying alone. They have no family or friends around, and she's there for them, and often sharing the gospel with them before they die. So, what a significant ministry. And she also works in the library. Back there, keep going. There's more. There's Diane. Working with women's ministries. Thank you, Diane, and food setup. Also with Nomadic Shelter setting up tables on that night. Keep going. And these three girls, yes, these young ladies right here, Rachel and Sophie and Sydney, they do so much of the setup and the teardown for Nomadic Shelter, and they are great in serving food. It's been great to have those three. Okay, and keep going. Ah, there's Martin Greeter on the right. Stephen, again on the left. Stephen working on the Rebbe Gospel Mission. Do we have anybody else? I think that is it. No, there's Donna. Okay, Donna also. The Rebbe Gospel Mission. And um, ministering and mentoring women who are coming out of a recovery. So just that's kind of what servants look like. They just look like normal, ordinary people. Okay, nothing fancy. You don't have to have any fancy degree or anything you know there's no one person that is the whole body of Christ together god graces his people so that we can live his life he's like we are his body his physical expression on earth of what it looks like when jesus is here um and and again god has designed us to serve each other he's designed us to be selfless people that's the way it works and it it doesn't have to be complicated i had this funny thing happen I think it was last. It was. It was last Monday, so I went out for a run, and and I'm I'm just, and it's kind of dark and foggy, and I'm, and I got this thing about trash. I don't like trash. I don't like it in Santa Rosa, Sonoma County. This is a beautiful place. I was like, why do people have to mess things up? You know, part of running to me is the beauty. I like being out in the beauty, and when there's trash, it's not beautiful. And so I think, well, I want to clean this up. And so that's kind of just a habit that I have when I go out running and I'm not trying to set a world record. I slow down and I, I say, oh, this is going to be a slow, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, when I, I'll say, I'm just going slow today, so I'm going gonna, gonna to pick up trash. And so Monday morning is one of those days, and you know, we're, it's the Joe out Trail, so there's like all this stuff all over the trail. And, I got the, and I don't, it's kind of dark and, and foggy, and I get the stuff, and I, it's in my bag, and, and I, I, run ac- I see a trash can across the street, so I run across the street to throw in the trash can. And out, out from behind a car, this older man comes walking his dog. He says, I saw you. I'm like, am I in trouble? <laughs> he said, I saw you. He says, thanks for your service. And then he said, you are a very unique individual. And I'm like, I just picked up trash. I mean, it's not that big a deal. It's really not, but isn't that amazing? Something as small as picking up trash helped this guy's day? That he would say that that I'm a very unique (laughs) individual for picking up trash? It's kind of crazy to me. But just to say how much service means to people. Serving one another, building each other up, adding to each other's lives. You think of those people who taught you something or showed you something or came through for you in a tight moment, how much they mean means a lot, so we need to learn, well, how do we we find our place of service? How do we find our place of ministry, like the people that were up on the screen? How do you do it? So let me, you want to fill in your notes, let me give you some ways, steps that you can take to how do you find a ministry, a place of service? Because if Jesus lives in you, you are now equipped to be that kind of a person. So number one, you need to experience grace. Paul said we have different gifts according to the grace given us. So if you have grace, it comes out in different shapes and in different ways. you follow Jesus, you have that grace. He'll move you to action in some way when he's working inside of your life. You will not feel comfortable just sitting. Number two, experiment with different ministries. You start trying different ministries, even if you're not very good at some of them. That's the point. You find out what you're not good at. You fit somewhere. See, there are no wrong people in the body of Christ. There are only right people in the wrong place. So like if, you're, if you were tone deaf, it wouldn't be good for you to be singing on the worship team. That's just It's not that you're wrong. It's just you're the right person. That's just not where you belong. There's somewhere else that you do belong. You know, sometimes we, we don't look at things like administration as important. Well, administration is very important. There are people with leadership abilities to just, you know, gather and collect people to do something. There, there are reasons that some churches, I know some of these pastors, I've talked to them, said, hey, the reason this thing gets done in my church is because I got these people over here doing it. I'm not doing it. If it was up to me, it would never get done. Because of these people over here, it's hundreds of people are being touched in Santa Rosa. But it's not because of the pastor. So you just try things. You experiment. You get out there. It's okay to fail. You know. It's, it, we, we need to be trying things, and, and even if it flops. And number three, explore the possibilities. There are a list of the gifts in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 you can read about. If you're thinking about specific places to serve here... You can do things like work with computers, you can work with children, you can work with facilities, you can go to the Philippines, you can work in the city in some capacity. We have a table, a couple of tables at the back this morning that talk about different tracks, spiritual growth, outreach, community, ministry. And you can take a little flyer and look at that and fill it in and drop it in the basket and say, hey, I'd like to look into this. But just explore the possibilities. And number five, examine your feelings. If you haven't caught on yet, all these words start with an E. Okay, so they all start with an E. Examine your feelings. Did that ministry, when you tried it, did it energize you or did it drain you? Do you feel more alive or did you feel really awkward when you were doing that? So you just kind of have to sense, you know, because if you have a gift, you're going to have a passion for it. You're going to like it. It's not going to be like, I hate this. No, if you have the gift, you'll like it. And that's what helps to keep you going in that particular area. Number five, evaluate your effectiveness. Is the service you're providing making a difference? It is, help, is it helping? Is it encouraging? Is it healing? Is it developing? Is it strengthening other people? Number six, expect confirmation. What do other people tell you about what you're doing? That's a really good sign. I had a, a couple of things very encouraging to me. You know, It's like, how do you start off in this area of, of being a pastor or preaching or teaching? How do you know if you really should be doing that, if you're any good? Or, you know? And I remember the very first sermon I ever, I ever gave uh, was in the church I was raised up in in Camarillo. And, uh, I grew up in the church, started going there when I was 10 years old and came back and I was called as a music minister to the church. And then I felt called to, to being a pastor. And so as I was getting ready, I, I got some opportunities to preach. And the very first time I did, this guy stood up after I was done and affirmed me, which did not happen in that church. He, he just stirred up and he says, I can see, you know, good things coming. It was like, wow. So that was that affirmation that I needed um, and uh, and you know people will give you affirmation. They will they will see something and lift you up in that. You know here's here's the deal. I learned something this week that really got me. This was my le- this was my this was my spiritual gem of the week. And I, w- I was studying this about the gifts. And there's a part in Ephesians four that really's not really ever made much sense to me. I go, why they don't seem to fit. They don't connect. I, I didn't get it. I wasn't. Connecting the dots in Ephesians 4 is my favorite passage when it comes to the church. I love Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, but I wasn't so hip on 1 through 10. And so it says in there, in, in, towards, it's like verse 7, no, it's um, verse 10, actually, that he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And so before that, it also says he distributed gifts. So here's the deal. Jesus died on the cross. He was raised from the dead. And then it says he ascended higher than the heavens to fill the whole universe. So he's over the whole universe. He's reigning. He's ruling. Everything is under him. And he's bringing everything. He's going to bring everything together as one someday. And then it says before that he distributed his gifts. And then it goes on to specifically say, well, what were those gifts? I mean, did he give like, you know, Christmas sweaters? And, uh, uh, you know, a new power tool. You know, what kind of gifts did Jesus give when he gave gifts? And it goes on to say what those are. He gave some the gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He distributed those gifts so those people with those gifts could prepare God's people for works of service. So that the body of Christ could be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Whoa, that's what's supposed to happen in the church with these gifts? Here's the deal. When the gifts are being operated, this is what got me. We are, the church is the only place in the universe that is demonstrating the rule of Christ. And what one day will be when he comes to rule again. When everything will be under his rule and there will be no sin, no wickedness, no enemies. But right now, while we wait for that day, where is that being demonstrated in the world, in the universe? In the church. When the church is appropriating and exercising the gifts and being built up, we're demonstrating what's coming someday. So, we're living out of your gifts isn't about filling some spot in a church because the pastor needs workers. This is about reflecting the glory and the coming work of Christ in the world today. Man, folks, if we had churches all through Santa Rosa where the people were all responsive to the grace of God that's flowing through them, the glory of God and the kingdom of God would increase. That's why this is so important. It's not just about doing stuff, but reflecting and manifesting the rule of Christ in the universe today. So that was my gem for the week. I just went, whoa, that's it. So here's the challenge. You know, if you don't have a spot or you're looking for a spot, start thinking, God, where, where is my heart beating? Like Tabitha. Tabitha saw widows, man. She could not let them go. She could not get them out of her, ma- her mind. A lot of times when we have a gift, God calls us to a particular group of people. A part- that you see something in children or teens or senior adults or people outside the church. You just see something. You say, I've got to do something about that. You have a burden for it. And then you have an ability to do something about it. So so that's, that's the challenge this morning. I would encourage you to peruse those tables or just ask, start asking, Lord, Lord where, where, where do you want me? Um, what are you doing? I want to serve you and help me to do that. So we're going to close in prayer. Um, there will be some people back at the tables. Why don't you guys go on back to the tables now? And... Um, If anybody needs prayer this morning, I'm going to be standing up here over on the right if you need to be prayed for for anything, okay, after we dismiss. So let's go ahead and stand as we close. Father, it's uh, sometimes when we look around and we're just used to our normal surroundings, we, we don't recognize the glory of what it is you want to do in our ordinary surroundings and through our ordinary lives. But we believe from your word that you want to demonstrate and manifest your rule and your reign in the universe by distributing your gifts and having us activate those gifts in our lives. Lord, and I pray that. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be prompting us and moving us, and challenging us, and motivating us to find that place of service that you have for us, or those places of service. That your name would become famous. That people would be drawn to you. That instead of people bashing the church, they would say, how beautiful is the bride of Christ when they see her and more and all of her glory. So God, help us as your people here in this place to respond to your voice today and your work in our hearts. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Grace be with you. God bless.